You're listening to the Dive Bomb Podcast. G'day and welcome to episode 25 of the Dive Bomb Podcast. We got a little Metal Man 25 uh, anniversary episode here. Special <laughs> episode of Ruin's favorite number, 25. So we got Mexico City. We can't mess up this one. Last time we uh, low-key screwed up on the Houston-Austin debate, but uh, <laughs> we can't mess up this one. Mexico, Mexico City. Uh, this is our race review for the 2021 Mexico City Grand Prix and obviously a dominant weekend for Red Bull so we're pretty excited to uh, get into that I'm here with as usual my two co-hosts last time I uh, started off with James so I'll go back to you Varun episode 25 Metal Man how we doing good I appreciate the plug uh, if you guys want to follow me on Instagram Metal Man 25 <laughs> could use a little boost on the followers so um, yeah we just got back from uh, round of pints because we're usually better better recorders a little looser, yeah. little looser, James. Uh, you you uh, put that put that in effect tonight. Figured we'd we'd get some uh, get some beers before recording the episode, but yeah, exactly. Wasn't performance much, enhancing for us. For yeah, sure. yeah. It wasn't much going on in the race, so yeah, you gotta gotta add a little Spice nitro, it up a little, bit. little nitro to the engines. Exactly. We won't be so loose that we end up making up fake drama like some of the British media, but you know, we'll give our classic North American twist on this race. Uh, I'm glad we're getting a lot of support lately on uh, on the episode, so thanks for that. Really appreciate that. And yeah, let's get into it this weekend, boys. So um, we're in the middle of a, the start of a triple header, and we've got four races to go now. So this this season just keeps surprising us, just keeps getting better and better. Uh, when we look at the overall outlook on the weekend before it started, we all pretty much assume with the layout of the Mexico City track that this was going to be a Red Bull circuit as... Last time we were there in 2019, they were on pole, and uh, it's just a circuit that has normally really um, been friendly to the Red Bull car. And this year, with Red Bull being even more faster, the fastest they've been in a long time, we really, really thought that uh, it would be a Red Bull weekend. At the end of it, it certainly was, as we've noted in our title, Mexico City. He really owned this circuit this weekend. But when we look to the start of the weekend, it didn't really look that way to begin with you know we had mercedes right there and they even got a pole position in qualifying so uh we'll dive into that we saw obviously the biggest one of the biggest storylines of the weekend this weekend guys was checo and uh seeing him as fast as he was in practice uh for most of the sessions you know being that close to max we're obviously seeing him get like kind of the form of his year right now you know Mm -hmm. like not many people are doubting him right now whereas you know five episodes ago in this podcast i bet you you could listen and we were really talking about our doubts when it came to checo perez he definitely left something to be desired for sure and we were talking about too like where can he capitalize so that maybe red bull can jump up in the constructors as well as him just making moves uh, continue to make moves in the driver's championship so we obviously saw that for a third weekend in a row which was pretty cool to see but um, yeah, just getting back to the point of him being as close as, as we've seen him yet to Max in practice was really uh, intriguing to see. And just obviously, like, that crowd was epic to see. Every time he would come through the stadium section in the Mexico City uh, arena, he was just being, like, just absolutely cheered for and yeah. probably gave him an extra couple tents. What do you think? Oh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And even during the race when he led for that brief bit, we'll get to it in a bit, but just seeing the crowd 
go absolutely nuts. Like, obviously, they knew that he wasn't going to stay in the lead just because of the way the pit stops were going. But, um, yeah, for that brief period that he led, it was it was amazing to see. Yeah, for sure. And he was actually a pretty big favorite to, like, lead at the end of one lap, considering, like, how many, you know, the top the top four drivers here. Um, if you were betting on him, I think it was only like 1.5 times your money for him to lead at any point in the race. And it was pretty cool to see him lead. Uh, and he was the first Mexican ever, as Varun said, to, to lead a a race in Mexico. So it was pretty, pretty awesome. And I feel like before we really dive into things here, because there's not a lot to dive into when we talk about the race itself, boys, I think we can agree on that, but, um, there's a lot of cool stories. There's a lot of like wholesome moments um and stuff like that that we saw this weekend so uh pretty pretty sweet um and yeah i do i do want to mention right off the bat we did have a friend of the show one of our old interviewees interviewers uh, or interviewees i guess uh, manena from a girl talks f1 podcast she was able to be a pit lane marshal this past weekend in mexico she's obviously uh, mexican lives in mexico so she was able to be a pit lane marshal so we got to follow her uh adventures um in the pit lane as well as she ended up being able to like be part of the celebrations as well so just a quick shout out there uh really cool definitely go check out her page um if you want to get a little bit of inside scoop um is that i wanted to ask you guys based on that like are we going to be pit lane marshals in the canadian grand prix or are we just going to get loaded in the stands (laughs) well i think i don't think that was, those have to be mutually exclusive. I think, <laughs> I think in Montreal they'd hire drunk pit lane marshals. You know? I don't know, man. I feel like Roman Grosjean was pretty glad that the pit lane marshals weren't loaded when he crashed into the barriers well, who knows, in Bahrain. Maybe, maybe, you know, get a couple pints in you. You're a bit uh, brazen, brazen, I don't know. You run right towards the danger. Could be a little bit of a if if, if I got yeah. drunk enough in the pit lane, I would be hopping in one of these cars because I'm literally addicted to this sport. Oh, so. I'd I'd go right <laughs> over to the gunman and say, "Hand it over, bud." Hand it over. <laughs> it would be better than some of the Ferrari ones yeah, last honestly. season for Sebastian Vettel. So anything anything below five seconds is probably good for. Uh, <laughs> For him, but certainly. Well, we wouldn't have been hired on the Red Bull mechanics, that's for sure. Yeah. We no chance. They they only hire the best of the best. But um, getting back to the weekend, so yeah, based on the the way it looked going into Saturday with qualifying, we really thought it was going to be a Red Bull one two, if not like a Red Bull one three for pole position in the top three. Um, we were a bit surprised though. We had uh, what looked to be a bit of an issue that kind of sidetracked Red Bull. They were looking a lot with their rear wing throughout qualies and the rear of their car is really where like a lot of their stability has came this year. And it's been like a lot better than Mercedes. And that's really where they've got a jump on them this year. So they did have a little issue in Q1. They seem to have fixed it in Q2, but in Q3, the grip just fell right off again for them. And they ended up third and fourth. Uh, Max in third, Sergio in fourth, but obviously that was not bad from the neutral perspective because we were gonna know we knew that that big long run up to turn one on Sunday was going to be like an absolutely epic battle, and having the Red Bulls behind Mercedes, which were the quicker car uh, throughout most of the weekend, we we knew we were gonna see an absolutely epic start to this race. And I mean, when we talk about reviewing this race, I think boys like that's a lot. That's a lot of the race itself was that turn one. <laughs> that, yeah, so yeah. I do want to give a hypothetical to you guys. Like, so we obviously saw Red Bull in that third and fourth position, and then we saw them like being able to take advantage of some slipstream and and make their way past Mercedes into turn one. But 
if we would have seen Red Bull 1-2 in qualies, I honestly think that we could have just seen, like, Red Bull both pull away at the beginning and then, like, not really have seen them the rest of the race. Like, if they would have got clean through turn one, uh, obviously it's hard to say. It's hypothetical. But what do you guys think? Like, do you guys think maybe that if they would have qualified differently that this race could have been a little even more, (laughs) even more? I don't want to say boring, but, like, it wasn't really the the five out of five star race where yeah. we've seen. Well, after like you said, after turn one, not much else happened. The only thing yeah. that kind of kept us in it was the fact that Checo had a chance to close in on Lewis. Yeah, but if they were one two, and if Mercedes never had a chance to even come close to them after turn one, yeah, it, I feel like they would have just been off in the distance. Yeah, like, for sure. Like it was not even close. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Like the one thing that. I mean, and also full disclosure, I did miss the start of the race, the first eight laps. I blame uh, uh, daylight daylight savings, savings time. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that's a North American thing. So all of our North American listeners, you know what I'm talking about. But <laughs> anyways, once I did get a chance to rewatch that part, like the thing that struck me was was with Valtteri. I don't know what it is, but every it seems like every time he gets pole position, he loses it on the first corner because he just mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. Like he's he's too like hesitant or whatnot. But like Max just braked so much later than Valtteri. Yeah. It was like it was so obvious to watching it coming down the first corner. Like you, you, it looked like they were close. Then Max just went right ahead, and then yeah. he led the race from there. So, uh, yeah, something. I mean, obviously Valtteri had some bad luck himself, getting spun around by Mr. Ricardo. Mm-hmm. But he never would have been in that position, I think, if he had uh, taken that corner a bit better. And it's just something that seems to be a, re- a recurring uh, theme here with Mr. Botas. Uh, I can answer that question for you. I feel like if Max Verstappen, the driver, was not on the grid. I don't know if we would have someone that's as ballsy as him going into that turn to make that break like he did. Like, him going out onto the outside and breaking as late as he did. Like, obviously, I mean, there's going to be a driver that, that takes that risk. I don't know if there's many drivers in the world that can make it stick like Max did there. That was absolutely crazy. If you watch his onboard, like, the amount of power he would have had to put on, the perfect amount of braking to not lock up going into that corner after having that slipstream and being as fast as he was, was epic. And to your point though, Varun, like I feel like Mercedes in general just left too much space. So like Lewis looked like he was a little bit too far to the right. And then Valtteri would have had to make a decision. Like, are you going to close off the inside so that a Red Bull doesn't split you? Yeah. Doesn't split the two Mercedes? Or are you going to move closer to your teammate and then try to like, make sure that he doesn't split you right so that's yeah. what he ended up doing which gave max the outside line clearly like it was way yeah. more than a max for and car length yeah. that he was given like he was given a big oh, space yeah. there and he took it so yeah and it, it obviously like having the outside was huge for him too but it looked like valtteri tried to close off lewis at the start and lewis also braked pretty late because if you watch like coming out of the turn lewis was pretty much like right on max's tail and obviously had to he didn't have as good of a line because of the the nature of him being on the inside and being a right-hander. But, yeah, like, I think you're right. Like, it was a decision to be made by Valtteri, but just the way it played out, and obviously with Max breaking so late, it just gave him a huge boost. Like, it, mm-hmm. it almost looked like he had his own slipstream, even though there's no one ahead of him when he yeah. braked there. But, yeah. Like, for me, um, if I was Valtteri, again, I've never raced in Formula 1, so I, I really, you know, it's just my my thought process would be, like, if Lewis is already on the inside, the last thing I would want to do is move to the right exactly. towards him. Like, yeah. I would I would solely want, like, I would almost want that Red Bull to take the chance of 
splitting the two Mercedes and trying to get past both of them yeah. in the middle than giving him that outside line that gives him a chance to get away like he did. So um, that was obviously a major part of this race. It was an epic move, like one one in the race realistically right there because he was able to pull away. But as you mentioned, Valtteri ends up breaking a little earlier than both Lewis and Max. And then in behind him comes uh, Daniel Ricciardo and has a slight lockup and ends up hitting him in the back right and spinning him around. So that really took Valtteri and Daniel out of the race. Um, and then when we talk up and down the grid for the rest of it, again, this first lap was pretty much the major drama point yeah. or like really like entertaining point of the race. And that was also, we saw a tangle with the Alpine of Ocon with Yuki and Mick Schumacher and they mm-hmm. ended up getting squeezed. Yuki and Mick end up having terminal damage, like wheel damage out of the race. Um, so that was a full course safety car, which I did want to mention, like we haven't seen a, a, nearly yeah. as many full course safety cars as we did last season. So um, for me, it was like, I was interested because we were going to see another restart. Yeah. Um, and another moment of brilliance from Max in this race that I think a lot of people might've overlooked is that on that restart, he took such a cool jump. Like he obviously has the ball in his court coming around the last turn um, and making that start restart again. But he just accelerated away from Lewis at the perfect time where even though we have that long run up to turn one, Lewis had no chance yeah, of catching him. Close. Like not even close. He, he, he almost like caught Lewis by surprise. He accelerated in like one of the stadium, like right at the end of the stadium's uh, sector he accelerated away and it was just like goodbye see you later see yeah. you never yeah like yeah exactly i'll see you on the podium mate yeah exactly goodbye. see you on the podium and then uh, i'm gonna watch my teammate chase you down uh, basically not even watch he just would have listened on the radio because yeah. max was so far ahead at that oh, and point speaking of uh checo chasing down lewis how good was it when checo uh came on the radio and said tell max to hold him up yeah, <laughs> that was, and then the I think it was Crofty was saying when it's your home race, it doesn't matter if you're the number two driver, you get to say things like that. <laughs> hilarious! I thought that was gold. Yeah, there was a lot of actually media buildup with that. I was like, are you, you know, them oh, asking yeah. like, is Checo gonna be allowed to win this race and stuff? And yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we want to get into it too much, but there was a lot of basically just like media questions about Maybe it. If Max wasn't in the hunt for the first like drivers championship, that's not. A Mercedes driver in like mm-hmm. almost a decade than maybe but like mm-hmm. yeah that would have uh, I don't know maybe they could have tried to go uh, Schumacher and uh, who was it Barrichello try to tie at the line <laughs> she's that see who yeah. see who has the the most gas and turbo yeah. left in their tank but um, uh, one thing I want to mention before we forget about is last episode we did um, we rarely do this ask for predictions for winners of uh the upcoming race which was this race so i want to see if you boys remember who we all predicted i think you two said max didn't you uh i, I was on lewis i was pretty sure i said lewis to come back but no no you said lewis and i, I was I thinking said lewis. i was thinking no i think i did say max because i did say that this track was going to be extremely red bull interesting well i don't know who the idiot was who replaced me in the last episode but he said daniel ricardo so <laughs> yeah we're never bringing him back on but <laughs> yeah that was another guy that was a special guest yeah. for that episode yeah, yeah this must have been a way that 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 uh day so big time this was not a mclaren circuit and um yeah that would have been, took a lot of luck 
Well, or if Daniel ended up not having that lockup going into turn one, it could have been a different story. Yeah, could have been. Where he would have had to have Max, and yeah, no, it would have been very tough to win, to win this weekend. I mean, he would have catapulted himself so high up there. That would have been incredible if he pulled that move off. That would have been fantastic. Yeah, 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 true. And he was close as well. Like he was so close to jump in like two, three people right out the gate. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, again, I think the whole like. Checo chasing Lewis was like a little over dramatized just because like the race itself oh, was kind of boring. Nothing else yeah. to talk about. So like Lewis um, and you said earlier Checo was like the man of the hour. Yeah, for sure. So the fact that he was the one closing in on the P two, like, mm-hmm. it, it's the only thing that they could talk about, and it was probably the best case scenario for the commentators that it was Checo. For but, sure. Um, one thing is is like the there was a lot of traffic, so that definitely didn't help this battle. If if we would have just been able to like delete the bottom half of the grid for this race, I think maybe there would have been a better chance of Checo passing Lewis. Uh, but unfortunately, there was a lot of traffic. There's a lot of times where this this circuit, especially like traffic's just not friendly when it comes to chasing down cars. And then we've seen it all year. You know, once you get into that two second window, it's it's easy to catch a car but it's not easy to pass and we see a lot of overheating at the mexico was very hot that was an underlying thing this whole weekend is the heat um you know we saw it in austin but even you know in mexico as well we're going to see a lot of the the heat becoming a a factor in these races um yeah so i mean Checo did what he could. He he was very close, but I don't think we should talk too much about it just because I don't think it was a huge, as big of a storyline as as it was really. Yeah. It um, was like you yeah. said. It was pretty much just the only thing to really watch. Yeah, for sure. Race. And at the end of the day, having having um you know a, a Mexican on the podium for the first time in the Mexican Grand Prix was epic. Uh, so we we kind of all knew that. Well, not all of us, but when I was watching, I was like, I didn't think he was gonna be able to make it past him. So just the fact that he's on that podium is just absolutely epic. Um, we'll get to the celebrations here shortly, but let's go up and down the grid a little more. Uh, so P4, we had Pierre Gasly, who I mentioned last episode. I believe that I coined the phrase like a Pierre Gasly-esque race. And that's where you essentially like not really shown too much on the TV during the race, but you just run a clean race. P4, you're not really challenging for a podium, but you're not like DNFing. You're not having much issue. You're just clean pit stop, come home. He was uh, like a good 30 seconds clear of P5 and then, you know, 30 seconds, 40 seconds clear of the podium. So um, Pierre Gasly had that kind of race. And just for me, it's just more impressive to see every time this guy does this in an Alpha Tauri, like we knew the, again, I go back to like the Honda Power Unit and the Red Bull teams like being able to do really well there this weekend. But Pierre himself is just, continually putting in good performances and to see him like well and above both Ferraris and both McLarens is just again like we keep singing this guy's praises but he got a nice handshake on the post-race show from Helmut Marco and I saw it was pretty cool um and yeah I don't know he he deserves to be in a car I think that you know just challenges because we've said it before but he's an absolutely awesome driver he's so quick he's so consistent now that we're talking about this again do we go back to the question do you think that that better car you talk about is the Red Bull racing car? Or do you think if you're Pierre, you want to go to a competitive team that's out of the Red Bull program because of what happened before? He needs to yeah. spread his wings. Yeah. yeah, I agree. His Red Bull wings need to be snipped and a new set of wings gets yeah. grown. Pull a Carlos signs and, and go everywhere. Also the fact well, that maybe like, not as many jumps, but he definitely needs to make a jump. There's yeah. also the fact that, like, is there a spot even for him? Because go maybe earlier... 
Well, I, I don't mean outside of the Red Bull. I, I meant specifically in Red Bull. Like, maybe earlier in the season oh. with how Checo was uh, having some struggles, maybe you could have made that argument or if there's some speculation there. But I think now with the way Checo has been uh, performing, I think that Red Bull duo is... I mean, would would it be fair to say that you think they're going to be back, both of them, next year? Obviously, Max, but... Well, Sergio signed for next year. Oh, right. Yeah, yes. yeah. So, yeah. we're and good there, but... Do we know how long going that, forward? Is it? It was a one-year. One-year, yeah. yeah okay, extension. Yeah. So. Um, he's been a lot better of a driver. That's a good thing to note, though. Uh, like, Sergio's been a lot more consistent since right. that deal, deal's been signed. But, yeah, no, going back to your, your Pierre yeah. point, like, I feel like that's run its course. feels like Horner really doesn't really want to give him another chance in the Red Bull. And, you know... Um, there's going to be a, a shakeup next year. You know, if he has another year in Alpha Tauri, see how everything plays out. And maybe we see a team that really becomes more of a front runner that we weren't really expecting. Then, you know, maybe Alpine takes a leap that next year and yeah. maybe he joins them. There's going to be so much shakeup next year, I feel like. So we'll definitely see what the future holds. But I, I, for me, I just, I think it solidifies the fact that like this guy is a legitimately highly, highly skilled Formula One driver. And yeah. we can never discount that, I feel like. So uh, another one of his races, I, I feel like I'm even till he's no, even when he's no longer in Formula One, I feel like I'm always going to coin this like as like a Pierre Gasly esque race where we just see like a midfield driver that just has a clean race, performs uh, the car exactly and, yeah. right up there, good qualities, good race. Doesn't really don't really see much of him, but he comes home for good points. Um, and yeah, I think I'm I think I'm just going to continue to call it that forever. And cheers to Pierre for that. Um, Five and six, we see the Ferrari team come home fifth and sixth, and you know this this massive result. For this unit, this power unit upgrade that they brought in um, a few races ago has just been paying dividends like crazy. They've been noticeably quicker than McLaren in the last few races, and you know rightfully so they take the lead in the P three and the constructors. And you know even before they took the lead, they were heavy betting favorites for winning that P three. You could you could live bet it during the season. And they were paying like a lot less money than McLaren was, so um, you can definitely see why. Again, their upgrade has been awesome. They have we've talked about it before. They have two of the best drivers on the grid. They have one of the best futures, I think, on the grid too. Like just those two drivers there are so young and um, really, really good drivers. So fifth and sixth for Ferrari. Um, trying to remember, there was the one. The only thing I can remember for them really is that. They had a really cool like team orders moment where they thought they were going to be able to run uh, chase down Gasly. So P- uh, Charles let Carlos by, and it was able to Carlos was able to give his best shot at giving the pace advantage that he had with some newer tires to to chase down Pierre. He gave it a good shot, but then they ended up team orders again. They had an agreement that they would switch back, and that's just really cool to see from two young drivers like that that are obviously like hungry for points, but. Also, just you know, able to give each other a chance, and then for the team the to switch back. Scheme of things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So beat McLaren is your your end goal. Exactly. They're not competing for drivers' championships, so yeah, get the points. Hundred percent. So, and then in P seven, we also had uh, Sebastian Vettel, who again comes up with a solid race. He was uh, from the back of the grid last week in, in Austin, but also. Uh, this week he comes home P7, just a, a quieter race from Seb. Night, a great race. He's um, always been pretty solid at this track too. Um, and he said, it was funny on the media day, like he's like, one of the media guys was asking like, 
you've only go, always gone well here. Like, what's your secret? And Seb with his classic, like quirky self was like, oh, well, I've never won. So uh, I can give you my secret of finishing second every time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so classic, like quirky Seb, just so worth it to me. And another reason why I love watching this sport is the, the, the personalities of these drivers. And obviously that was one of the reasons we got drawn in as fans. So uh, Seb with a nice race, P7. Kimmy comes home P8. Uh, nice race from him as well. He's had uh, a tough year, obviously battling COVID coming back. It's his last season. So will this be one of his highest results to finish the year? We will yeah, see. It could be, it might be his last point scored ever. Yeah. If you're like, a betting man, you'd probably say that, uh, for sure would be one of his, uh, higher, po- higher points totals to finish the year in P8, uh, P9, another cha- uh, world for former world champion, Fernando Alonso. He's obviously been the highlight of that Alpine team, other than obviously Esteban coming out with his six, uh, his crazy win in Hungary. But just his uh, consistency, I don't think a lot of us expected it. We've talked about it in length in other episodes, but really cool to see Mr. Alonso back uh, scoring some more points. And then our boy, one of our boys, McLaren, Lando, uh, he ended up taking a grid penalty uh, to start this race, and he ended up coming home P10. So um decent race for him i think you know every point counts especially in that battle with ferrari so um yeah just kind of clearing that up like do you guys think obviously we're going to need a dnf but do you think mclaren still has a chance of that p3 uh in the no doubt constructors i feel like obviously it's only a couple points difference now so they do still have a chance we're coming up on races in the middle east as well where it's going to be like a lot of straight line speed, not as many corners. Yeah, I think they have a chance. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, especially like you said, you have to factor in heavily the circuits that are coming up and that Mercedes power unit, I think will help them for sure on the um, power heavy circuits that uh, we have to close out the year. And maybe that's a little bias coming from me. I want them to still be in the hunt. Yeah. But yeah, I think they have a chance. Like, I mean, it's not a, it's definitely not a, like a long shot, I would say either. For sure. 13 and a half. Exactly. No, for sure. And the other thing is we we were in a similar position last year going into like Abu Dhabi and stuff like that, where we we saw a team that was clearly had a pace advantage in um, racing point last season. And, you know, McLaren, what we talked about in our year end review was like what McLaren did to take that wasn't necessarily have better pace, but it was better executed race weekends. And right now we're seeing Ferrari on a bit of a roll with executing race weekends. Um, so, you know, it's good. That's what it's going to boil down to, um, you know, that battle for P3 is going to boil down to execution of race weekends. The battle for P1 in both the drivers and constructors now is yeah. also going to come down to this season. This. has been a treat. No, it has it's been, been fucking fantastic. It's, it's been an absolute treat, not a trick. <laughs> All Halloween was, yeah, was, uh, was a terrible joke. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, and then the back half of the grid, we had Antonio Giovinazzi, who I believe this is his third in a row, 11th place finish. Yeah, I yeah. think so as well. Um, so the, for a dude who wants to impress, he's just so close, but like, I feel like he's seeing his seat slowly hey, slip away. He's not getting any sympathy for Mr. Russell, though, because uh, Mr. Russell was alluded that or elusive point, I would say, for far too long, so. Yeah, well, one thing, too, that I've heard is, you know, it's interesting that they haven't announced anything yet because, like, the driver's market is going to end up, like, dwindling down where, like, everyone's going to be signed for next year. 
So, you know, maybe they just don't say anything and then give them the seat back too. So it'd be very interesting. That's obviously the one seat that we're still looking at for uh, an opening or just Mm -hmm. a confirmation of. Um, Behind him, P12, we had Daniel Ricardo, who obviously like one of the actual times in the race where we actually saw a little bit more action was that battle for P11 with him and Valtteri, which ended up being like on TV for I felt like way too long just because like there wasn't much else. Wasn't much else going on. And the, like what you kind of alluded to last year is when McLaren was battling for P3 was they consistently just made great weekends or made the most of their weekends. Exactly. They would score every, every time. Yeah. And then when they have Daniel in P7, decent spot, especially with Lando at the back of the grid. Do you think like they're probably shitting their pants when they see him bombing it up the inside into turn one? Yeah, knowing that like this is a very risky. We need these points, mm-hmm. and they just kind of gave Ferrari the that entire race. Like they it made it way too comfortable for Ferrari mm-hmm. once he made that mistake. Yeah, which is interesting because like obviously I don't I don't think it has anything to do with like his comfortability in the car. Like we've noticed in the last few weeks, like his comfortability with the car is just next level now. Like he's back yeah. to being After like... After that Monza race when he yeah. just has the full confidence back. So yeah, I mean, you could definitely go back to that turn one thing and say like, hey, if he just keeps himself in that hunt and tries to make some overtakes, but at the same time, like lap one has been one of his most successful parts of the season. So, you know, him taking that risk has been paying off a lot for him. Obviously it can't pay off every single night or every single time. Uh, and this was definitely a time where it definitely did not. So, um, yeah, I mean, it would have been paying decent money, I think, for you to bet Lando to finish higher than Daniel this weekend, given the, the penalties at the back mm-hmm. of the grid and the P7 qualifying. So, um, yeah, so we also had uh, kind of quieter races from Esteban Ocon, Lance Stroll, who had a crash in Q1 in qualifying. So he was at the back of the grid as well um finishes in p14 valtteri who just absolute stinker again like after the turn one thing p15 the only thing that was good with valtteri's race was he ended up throwing softs on late in the race and taking the fastest lap really late i believe it was like lap 69 out of 71 that he took the fastest lap from max so keeps things close in the constructors and uh takes a point away from max in the driver's standings and how smart was that move? I don't know if it was him that made the call or he got uh, a message over the radio, but letting George Russell pass him and then taking the toe to to nick that fastest lap. I, yes. mean, I, I thought that was interesting. I mean, yeah. got to grasp, grasp the straws here in that race. but Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, for sure. There was a lot of tactical stuff. This, this race did boil down to that as well. Um, and yeah, that was certainly a nice little bit of uh, thinking on Valtteri's part. Because uh, when I saw that happen, the immediately first thing that came to mind was Toto was like, give George a better finish. You're gone next year. <laughs> I was like, why do you just let him by? And then it became clear what he was doing. So yeah, that was a yeah. cool little moment. Yeah, for sure. So as you mentioned, uh, George comes home just behind Valtteri P16, Latifi P17. Um, and then three laps down the house of Nikita Mazepin, <laughs> three. the only one in the race that was three laps Record down of the year. Yeah, the tensions continue to bo- continue to boil over at the Haas team, where just they, you know, Nikita in an interview like referred to Mick as a teammate of mine, uh, <laughs> in one in the qualifying post interview, and just that's like referring to as a clown. Yeah. yeah, that's like referring to someone as your acquaintance when you don't want to call them your friend. Yes, that's the equivalent right there. And at one point, does he need to get lapped so many times that he actually doesn't like classify? 
Do you know? Oh man, I feel like he's breaking <laughs> records this year yeah. for this kind of thing. He's like, gonna, he's gonna. They're gonna have to write some new rules after Nikita Mazepin uh, finishes his career. Yeah, they definitely are. They're gonna have to write a history book for him. Um, and I don't think he's much of a hero uh, in anyone's books right now. So, uh, yeah. And then we had the DNFs of Mick and Yuki. I uh, did want to mention too about Yuki and AlphaTauri. Uh, Yuki was sent to the back of the grid in general for this race, but they did a really cool thing where, again, Yuki had a solid qualifying, was able to help Pierre with some toes to get him to qualify up into P5. So to see that, um, again, like Yuki's really been come on in the last half of the season. And again, since he's kind of had his contract uh, confirmed for last year, he's been a lot solider a lot solider i don't know if that's a word more a lot steadier it's <laughs> a better yeah. way to say it a lot steadier in that um alpha towery uh two seat so yeah interesting to see like how he does in the last few races of the year and then going into next season because he's beginning to show a lot more talent like he was in formula two so uh yeah it should be interesting to see how he does um moving on i guess like the big big final point of the part of this weekend boys is just like the mexican celebration the wholesomeness of this podium the the really like epicness of the podium too we had you know max come up on his sitting on his red bull like through mm-hmm. the sea or through the yeah like the ceiling underneath the podium uh really really cool scenes from that and then we obviously had Checo's dad um <laughs> Doing laps around just, himself. Just the happiest man on earth for his son. And then we also saw Checo's son uh, right near the podium, which was super wholesome to see. Just, um, you know, can bring tears to your eyes just seeing that kind of thing. Because at the end of the day, like, this sport is means a lot to, like, a lot of people. And uh, seeing their families up there with them, you know, like, a lot of the sacrifices that they have to give to be part of the sport and everything like that is is big. So um yeah seeing that was was really awesome and i just wanted to get your guys take so um obviously seeing like a mexican win his mexican grand prix like could you imagine if we saw like lance or like latifi for whatever reason (laughs) on the podium in canada like i feel like it would be be absolutely epic um i'm trying to draw like comparisons to canada but well it'd be like seeing villeneuve win in canada which i'm sure yeah would be up there in terms of like how like, I mean, at, at how crazy you could see a home team's fans going. Obviously, we see it all the time in, like, Silverstone for Lewis or in uh, mm-hmm. Zandivore we saw for Max. But I feel like the Mexicans party a little different, though. Like, it was yeah, really, yeah. really yeah. cool. Yeah. Really loud. They had, you know, a lot of people there this weekend. It was just loud the whole race, it seemed like. It yeah. didn't matter. Like, uh, and obviously, that's that's with uh, Checo not even winning the race. So, just to have their driver competing and doing well and i feel like they would have cheered for him no matter where he was on the grid so yeah yeah definitely love to see the support and it couldn't be happening to a better guy yeah for sure and having seeing his son there like i mentioned just like so wholesome seeing his dad there um there's been a little bit of a viral um story going around that charles was able to contact checo after these celebrations and like kind of long story short like honor Checo and saying you know it's really awesome to see your dad there with you and like I would kind of give anything to be able to celebrate on the podium with my father and the for those of you who don't know like Charles lost his dad um a couple years ago to uh battling just randomly like an illness that came up so yeah just like hearing those kind of moments between drivers and you know Checo and Charles aren't necessarily people that you think talk to each other a bunch but um when these kind of things happen you know like 
it just really puts the sport into perspective that these people are all, you know, they give up so much and it's such an emotional thing. So, um, yeah, it was really, really cool to see. There's obviously a lot of behind the scenes. I'm excited to see, hopefully Netflix was there this past weekend because I think this will probably be one of the coolest episodes just from like a story point of view. Um, because, you know, obviously the Checo being where he was and his family and everything like that. So, um, yeah, boys, I don't think there's too much else. We're in, again, middle of a triple header. So we'll get our, we'll get our pints flowing for the next few weeks and bring you guys some more race reviews. This has been a really fun one. Obviously the race itself wasn't the most exciting, but just being able to, uh, just kind of reminisce on it. And like I said, we're in the middle of a triple header. So we got two more to go. So uh, we'll keep the uh, keep the Budweiser's flowing over here in Canada, and we'll keep. Oh come on, support local. We were drinking Broadheads tonight. True, we were drinking Broadhead, the, the local craft beer. Um, we gotta we gotta always do that as well. But I was just thinking for uh, should it be a cerveza for Mexico? We should have had some cervezas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we got Brazil <laughs> coming up next. Uh, any of our Brazilian fans, please uh, let us know. Yeah, give us some uh, some drink recommendations for the next recording session. <laughs> the uh, Brazilian. I don't even know what the Brazilian beer would be, but um, yeah, so we'll go, we'll end it. You know what? We had predictions last weekend. Let's get some more predictions. We're down to the nitty gritty here, boys. Obviously we don't even need to mention it, but you know, we might as well, you know, the title battle max continues his lead. It's a little bit more of a lead now. And we see Red Bull right there. One point, one point away in the constructors standing. So I'm sure everyone that's listening to this is up to date on that, but let's get, all of our predictions for the last or sorry the next race which will be in brazil so i'll start with you varun who's winning well i'm gonna make up for like we said that clown uh, last week who predicted daniel winning this race i'll go with a little bit of a more conservative uh pick for next week i'll say lewis hamilton lewis hamilton in eh? brazil a circuit that suits the mercedes car a little bit better i yeah. would say i think um yeah i think it's still gonna be very tight i'm also gonna go with lewis i feel like uh he's he's a big fan of that track as well he's had some some cool results there and obviously some good memories there with his one of his first title wins and stuff like that so we will take i will take a mercedes win lewis hamilton as long as esteban ocon is not blue flag in front of max <laughs> max is taking it max is taking it so you got two votes lewis one vote max i think Bruno and i are really as neutral fans, when it comes to the top two teams, we're really looking for that, like, battle to go all the way down to Abu yeah. Dhabi. So, uh, I just, yeah, I think at the end of the day, like, I don't, it doesn't really matter who wins to me. I just want both of them to finish because I really don't want this title battle to be over. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, like yeah. Yeah, at the end of the year, we're really going uh, to... love to see Oh, it, I would uh, love, like, a like a scene that played out for Lewis's first... Uh, first constructors where it was down to the down to the wire and yeah even this had to, to happen and yeah exactly yeah. and it, it was down to the last lap even wasn't yeah. it yeah so yeah that would be I mean we're, we can't ask for too much because we're already getting an unreal battle like we've said so many times this year but uh, you know why not take it to the extreme yeah, when you when you get one cookie you always want two three four five six yeah. cookies seven cookies so exactly <laughs> can't get enough of them um, and again we're gonna look back on this and this is part of the reason we record this pod because it's so cool to look back on what we were thinking during each race because this is a moment we this is a year we really don't want to take for granted because this has been a super fun uh, Formula One season and like we've all mentioned it's been super unexpected so till then Sao Paulo this weekend Brazil. We will see you there. Go, Luis. <laughs> Max. <laughs> Max, go city. Cheers.